giving. And this means all of the giving um, to charitable causes throughout the entire year, 12% of that giving happens between December 29th and December 31st. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Rally and Engage presented by Cosvox. I'm Noah Barnett, the growth marketing lead here at Cosvox. And today I wanted to share the audio from a recent training I hosted. During the training, I shared 11 ways you can get more of your supporters to open, engage, and respond to your year-end fundraising emails. With only one week left of the year, I thought this was a timely conversation to share with you. Let's dive into the conversation. There is so much varied kind of understanding of how many emails you should really send, um, not only just in the next two weeks, but just in the month of December. And so what we see is that these last two weeks are crucial. It's really what we call go time. And what we mean by that and why we really say that is because in December alone, and this is a little bit older stat, but it plays consistently as we look at data and kind of analyze it. We just don't have a concrete stat, but 30% of annual giving occurs in December. But not just that, 12% of annual giving, and this means all of the giving um, to charitable causes throughout the entire year, 12% of that giving happens between December 29th and December 31st. So what that really means to you and those listening is that if you don't have, just as a kind of a quick tidbit, and then we'll dive into those secrets, email is an essential tool to convey and really give your supporters a vehicle to contribute during the last few days and even just the last two weeks um, of the year. Because if you've sent out your, let's say, your direct mail campaigns, you've promoted your cause um, to your supporters, to your community through various fundraising um, opportunities, you've sent out your direct mail piece and are just hoping for replies. But email gives you really a direct line um, and really outside of kind of phone calls provides you a great opportunity to connect with supporters during this crucial time when they're really thinking about giving um, and how they're going to contribute to charitable causes in 2016, an opportunity to easily do that. And we also see the rates of online giving going up by hundreds of percents every single year. And so email is an essential tool for you to be able to use to really connect with your supporters during the last few days of the year. But you all know that because you're on this uh, webinar and are looking for ways to really improve those results. So we're going to kind of land here for a bit and really spend the majority of the rest of our time together talking through 11 ways that we've really found here at Cosvox that our customers have used to boost their results. And so these, these secrets really provide our kind of range over from kind of how you craft emails to when you should send emails. Uh, how you should send emails, how you should measure emails. And so we're really going to kind of dive through kind of the process of how you think about your emails. And so for those that haven't maybe written those emails yet that you're going to be sending at year end or are still trying to figure out how many emails to send or what to send, when to send, um, how to communicate, how to segment, this is presentation and these uh, kind of 
ideas that we have are going to be really, really helpful for you. For those that have already written their communication, I know some have probably you know, scheduled their emails already and kind of outlined their communications plan. You are on the ball. Even though it is amazing that you've kind of already crafted and outlined your email marketing strategy for the next two weeks, by you being on this presentation, it shows me that you're looking for something more. And so as we kind of dive through this presentation, some of the, the tips that we're going to present might require you to rewrite your emails or to think differently about how you position your emails to the various audiences or kind of donors that you serve or that you're trying to connect with, or even how you, like the way you design your emails or the subject line or who you send the emails from, all those things we're going to dive in here. And so I would just ask that even if you've already written your emails, keep an open mind because at the end of the day, what matters most is that you guys are able to engage with your supporters, connect with them during these crucial last two weeks of the year and get them to respond and to give generously um, to your organization, your cause, so you can start 2017 off on the right foot. So for both those, no matter which kind of base camp you're in, I, I encourage you to kind of keep an open mind as we dive through this. And I'll be happy to kind of answer questions at the end of the presentation. So the first thing we see is probably the hardest thing to do. And one of the things that we see is the most neglected by nonprofits, especially smaller nonprofits, because it there's an assumption that our supporter base is too small to really focus on segmentation, or we don't have the time or resources to write three different emails or to send different types of emails to different groups of people. That just seems like an inefficient use of time. And as we were thinking about this presentation today, one of the things that I've seen as I've worked in nonprofits and also consulted nonprofits is that those that understand segmentation and those that send the right messages to the right people at the right time are the organizations that are able to fundraise the most efficiently and effectively because what they're doing is they've understood that their relationship with each individual in their supporter base or even on your email list is very different. And so as you communicate to them, especially during year end, you want to be able to convey your understanding of that relationship, but also challenge them and ask them to do what is best for them. So there's three segments that I think you should really utilize during the last two weeks of the year for your emails. The first one is new versus returning donors. And so what I mean by this is that there's donors that you've acquired throughout the year, or maybe even people that have engaged with your organization in a non-financial way, that now you really want to go back and ask them to give. Those donors have a different relationship with you than your returning and loyal donors that give year over year or that gave last year end. And so the message and kind of the communication or even the type of content that you send a new person is going to be different than a returning supporter. And where I see this getting gone wrong is that a lot of email communication is actually written to someone that's unfamiliar with the organization. And so the organization tends to over-communicate or make broad assumptions of kind of the, the competency level of the supporter um, on the other end reading that email and how engaged they are with the organization. And I think what this does is not necessarily turns off new supporters or prevents you from kind of 
building a relationship with those new donors or kind of capitalizing on the momentum that you might have had when they gave to you, maybe through your, you, you know, kind of your summer giving campaign. And then now you're coming back to them and asking them to give again. Where we see the biggest impact is on your returning donors. Because in a sense, you're treating them like every other donor instead of really connecting with them in a way that's personalized and customized to their relationship with your organization and that you almost expect them to support you at year end. And you're really just presenting an opportunity for them to do that or reminding them of the impact that that supporter and that donor base has had and can be a part of again as you go into 2017 together. The next thing is uh, really the giving level. This is another big opportunity for improving kind of the per um, per supporter um, or the funds you raise per supporter. So a lot of best practices say that you really should present a giving opportunity or giving levels to your supporters when you send them emails, whether this is on your donation form or even in your emails communication when you say, you know, $100 can do this or $5 can do this or $5,000 can do this. And so when you send the same message and the same ask to all your supporters, you're really saying that to some donors, hey, this is too big for you. You know, let's say they can't give $100 and they have no, you have no history that they can give $100. And instead, if you ask them for $20 and told them about the impact that they would have by giving $20 or maybe $75, they would be more likely to engage because you're communicating to them and saying, this organization is an organization that you can give to. On the flip side, which I think has the biggest financial implication, is you ask large donors or large capacity donors, especially during year end when people are giving and they're giving a lot, you're asking them for small amounts. So you're challenging them maybe to give $100 or $250 when you really should be having $1,000, $2,000, $5,000 asks. And by segmenting based on giving level of your supporter base or last gift amount, you're able to really connect the ask with their uh, level of capacity. The, the third thing that I'll kind of hit on, and this is the segment section that we'll spend the most time on, so the other points aren't as, as kind of in-depth, but the third area is their last gift. And what I mean by this is that you can connect with your supporters in a way that kind of presents them the, your year-end fundraising appeal based on what they gave to you last time. So, for example, if someone gave to your summer campaign, which was all about kind of providing the homeless in your community um, with food and shelter. Uh, and maybe it was really kind of a rally cry to do more. And so it was both a giving campaign and also a donation campaign. Now, if you come back at year end and you're saying, give again to our organization because, you know, you want to, uh, you, like it's a good thing to do and you've supported us in the past, you're not really connecting where they were with you before to why they should give to you now and kind of building off of their previous engagements. And so that last one's a little bit more difficult to do um, for smaller organizations or organizations that don't have kind of inclusive data on their supporters. But being able to tie in someone's last gift to your new ask is really valuable. And so this is a few other best practices on how you or why you should segment your donor list and the value of that. The next thing that, again, I want to spend a lot of time on is that you should spend 50% of your time over the next two weeks crafting the subject lines of your emails. And some of you may be 
have never thought about the subject line or kind of, you know, put the email copy, let's say in MailChimp or Constant Contact or whatever email provider you use and kind of are like, oh man, I have to come up with a subject line. And so you, you kind of drop a subject line in there. I would highly encourage you that if you take anything away from this presentation, this is the only thing you listen to. Because on top of segmentation, understanding your subject line's influence on how much and how valuable your year-end emails will be is, is crucial. And so your subject line is really the front door into your communication. So I know many of you, because I know I was in that boat, on, and our team was, have spent weeks maybe crafting the perfect email copy. Uh, and maybe it's gone through 17 rounds of edits and the executive director signed off of it. Maybe you are the executive director that signed off of it. But at the end of the day, if no one opens your email, all that effort is lost. And so the first thing your audience sees when they receive an email is the subject line. So you have to make it count. And so we have a few examples here, or a um, few best practices that we've seen work really, really well. And if you've been receiving emails from Cosvox um, over the course of a few, uh, or have received emails from us um, over the past maybe 12 months, you'll see that we've actually been taking the subject line very seriously over the past six months. And we've seen it improve our open rates and engagement rates by upwards of 10 to 15%. And so I've seen this firsthand, not only at the nonprofit I used to serve at, but also in kind of the day-to-day -day work I do as a marketer. And so I think it's essential for you, especially during year end when organizations are sending a lot of emails, asking for a lot of support. And so your supporters, even though they're loyal, might not get to see your email. And the last thing you want is like, man, you know, that organization, that food bank I support my community, I, I, would, I would have loved to give to them, but I just forgot to. And so really using email to communicate those last minute things and really connecting with them, you don't want your subject line to basically be the reason why your supporters that are loyal to you don't end up opening your communication and don't end up giving towards your year-end campaign. So some research that was done by Convince and Convert, which is a kind of an email uh, tool and kind of uh, insights company, said that 33% of people choose whether to open an email by the subject alone. And so even your loyal supporters, even people that know you, they're not waiting for your email. They're just not. And in addition to your email, no matter how many emails you send, they're probably receiving anywhere from 20 to 150 other emails in the same day. And so you have to make sure that your subject line really connects. So additional tips we've seen that work really well is keep it short, less than 50 characters. That's really not a lot. Um, but it has proven to drastically improve open rates. Uh, use the right words. Keep in mind that words like helping and fundraising are received more positively than donate. Pose a question. Using questions prompts supporters browsing their inbox to see this email requires a response or an action. In addition, you can use time-sensitive words like today or tomorrow. And you don't have to over-communicate. Um, a lot of times, even now, we send emails with one word in the subject line, like today. Because what that indicates is, hey, this is something that if I don't read today, is probably not relevant. And so when someone's prioritizing naturally on what emails they should read, um, yours might be able to be pushed to the top. So this is a little graphic by uh, MailChimp um, that talks about kind of the various words and associated with and how they impact open rates. And so donate has a negative impact on open rates when used in the subject line. 
So the next thing I want to uh, kind of talk through is, is really about making your emails more human. Um, and what I mean by this is, is your email is only being read by one person in a room by themselves or on the go on their smartphone. And so when you communicate broadly, it doesn't feel personal. It doesn't feel as though you're talking to me. And so one of the things we've seen work really well, and I also saw in the nonprofit work that I did, was that if we made sure that when I wrote my email copy, it felt as though I was only speaking to one person. You might be emailing 5,000 people, 300 people, or maybe 100,000 people, but that email is only going to be read by one person. And if it feels as though it's not written to them as an individual, as a person, they're less likely to respond because it's not a kind of personal appeal. So use one-to-one -one communication, right? Like there's only one person reading your email because there is. Personalize the sender name. This is another kind of small thing that you can do, but it's paid huge results um, for a lot of those that have used it, is don't send it from, you know, Food Bank of America or the Humane Society of West County. Send it from a person. When you receive emails from a person, you are more likely to open them. In addition to that, try sending plain text emails. Lose the graphics, use, lose the photos, make it personalized to them, write a text-based email. They're much easier to read and more, easy, or e more easily engaged with from mobile devices and can clearly present call to actions using links. And so those are some things that we've seen that work really well as far as how you can get a higher engagement rate with your emails. And it's actually something I don't see a lot of nonprofits doing. And so nonprofits are about building personalized relationships, and it's, it's very people-to-people -people driven. And so when you communicate, especially during the last two weeks of the year, really try to make your emails human. Uh, this kind of relates to the last one, but we talk about this idea here at Cosbox that's purpose over design. So design can get in the way of purpose, especially in an email, when you have very little time to communicate what you want the reader to do. You really need to ensure your emails are readable across all devices and don't overuse images and graphics as it lowers deliverability and click-through rates. And so you really want to communicate a message and drive a call to action, which drives us to kind of the next point, is really just get to the point. So there's a tendency that we've seen as we've reviewed, you know, hundreds of nonprofit emails that they're very good at storytelling. They're very good at communicating, but they have kind of a too much knowledge and too much that they want to say. And so they end up writing very, very long letters, which if you look at kind of the old ways that how direct response um, and direct mail works, long-form letters and whatnot worked really, really well. But as far as email, how I see email is you're trying to get someone from their inbox, which has lots of distractions, to your website to take some sort of action. And typically during year-end, that's going to be to donate. And so you really, really want to get to the point. Ensure your call to action is clear and presented multiple times throughout your email. The other thing we encourage you to do is double-check how easy it is to give. So what I always used to do is I would send an email to myself based on the email that we were going to send out. And I would actually try to go and donate in response to that email. And what we've seen is that it should take less than 90 seconds for a donor to donate from when they want to 
take action. So if I'm reading my your emails that you're going to send over the next few weeks, especially those that are only going to send one or two or three emails, I should be able to be compelled to take action because you've already gotten me to open the email. You've gotten me to read the email. You've gotten me now to take action. And the last step is to make it easy for me to be able to do that. And so there's so much friction getting in the way, especially in this busy time of year, for your supporters to give to you that you don't want to make it any harder than it already is. And so you really want to kind of walk through that donation process and maybe have your family members or a friend say, hey, can you try to donate uh, from this email I'm going to send you and get feedback on how you guys can, how you can improve that process. The seventh tip is that timing is everything. You know, when sending emails, the time of day is almost as important as the message itself. Because again, if your email just comes in at a time that maybe people don't normally check their inbox or something that your supporters are a time when it's convenient for you, but not your supporters, by the time they get back to their mailbox, unfortunately, most email providers stack based on kind of the time received. And so the most recent messages are going to be on top. And so if your email is buried amongst 57 other emails that they don't really want to dig through and deal with, they're not even going to get to your email. So try sending your organizations at different times. Maybe take a look back at emails you've sent throughout the year, when you sent them, which ones perform better, especially when it relates to open rates. And so what we've seen is that people have more time uh, during the mornings and are kind of checking their email uh, or at lunchtime um, or into the evening or on weekends. And so trying different times to send your emails in days of the week is really effective on boosting those results. The next thing is send more emails. So a lot of you said that you're maybe only sending one email or two emails um, between now and your end. And I would highly encourage you to reconsider and send more emails. This time is crucial. And so it's more important than ever for you to over communicate how people can get involved. I don't know if you're like me, but I barely shop outside of Amazon but I still probably receive from three or four different shop, like uh, consumer goods companies, an email every single day throughout the entire year to give to them. I haven't unsubscribed because sometimes the information is good, sometimes it's relevant, but I receive an email from them every single day. And I don't know why we as nonprofits sometimes are so gun shy when it comes to sending emails. And really, you know, our friend John Hayden who has an amazing um, set of content, check him out, John Hayden, um, suggests asking at least three times between December 27th and December 30th and at least once on New Year's Eve. So that's sending four emails within a series of maybe five days. Um, And so some of you that have kind of said maybe one email or two emails really should reconsider adding more emails without just sending the same email over and over again. So customizing it a little bit. And again, thinking about email as just a tool to get someone from their inbox to your website. It doesn't have to be a piece of art every time. It really just needs to convey your compelling story, why someone should give, and how they can be involved. The other thing we've seen um, is that you, should, you can resend emails Um, over and above after the fact to actually increase open rates. So this is something that came out earlier this year by a few kind of marketing companies, but they really talked about this idea that why can't we resend emails to kind of push that email back to the top of the stack? 
And so what we've seen is that, you know, anywhere from 50 to maybe 80% of people on your email list won't even open your emails. Why? That could be for a lot of reasons. However, it's really up to you to try to get around this. And so one tactic is to resend emails later in the day or at a different time that might be kind of a secondary time that you've figured out is good for your supporters or you've seen other in, um, or you've seen higher engagement rates. And so actually sent, let's say you sent your email out at seven at 30 in the morning and 40% of the people opened it by four o'clock in the afternoon, or maybe even six, seven o'clock at night, actually take all the people that haven't opened it, change up the subject line and resend that email back out. Well, you'll see a collective open rate increase of anywhere between 10 and 30%. And so we highly encourage this, especially during year end. Oh. I skipped one. There we go. Uh, the next thing is really test, test, and test. So especially those that maybe are sending one or two emails, it's best not to like bet the farm on your intuition and your kind of expertise on what is going to be the best message to get people to give during year end. Now, today's technology really makes it easier than ever to kind of test various things. You can send out an email maybe on the 27th or 28th, see how people respond. You can get that feedback and then maybe change up your message. Uh, in addition to that, you can change um, kind of the call to action copy. Maybe instead of donating, you say, you know, how about you contribute before year end? Again, go back and test those subject lines, test different senders' names. Uh, you really don't need A-B, A-B testing software to be able to do this. You can just segment a small group from your email list and send a test email to each of them and see which one, which provides kind of a better response. Yes, for those math people, it's not going to be statistically significant, um, some of those differences and some of those things that you're going to be able to find, but it's going to be able to help you improve those email results enough by just kind of looking at the data that comes back and seeing which one's performing best instead of just assuming that you've created the version that's going to kind of perform the best. So test, test, and test. So there's two more um, that I think is just essential, and I only said that we were going to do, actually, I said 11 ways. So this is number 11 um, is really to track your performance. You know, don't wait till New Year till the New Year to see how your emails are performing. Um, when you send emails out, you should see an uptick in donations, in kind of click through rates, opens. So don't just set it and leave it, and just kind of reevaluate how you did in the new year. Use every single email, maybe every single test that you have to really improve it. You know, in January, those insights that you might learn if you wait are only valuable till next year. And by then, everything's probably already changed. So they're not going to be as valuable as you think they are. And so by taking each email or each day, day by day, and really improving upon your performance, it's going to be really helpful to drive and boost your results. The last thing, uh, which was the bonus, is just don't forget to say thank you. So it's not always about asking, but sometimes through thanking your donors, thanking donors that might have given early in November or early in December or earlier in kind of the Q4 season, maybe some people have already given that year end, sending them a thank you email that's prompt and timely might encourage them to kind of show their friends and family or point their friends and family to your organization. Or when they're thinking about giving an extra gift that maybe they decide to give at year end, they're going to think about you because you showed them the impact that their gifts can have.
Thanks for listening to this week's episode of our podcast. I want to take a moment and tell you about a new resource our team here at Cosbox just put together. Year-end planning is, is quite a challenge, especially if you're on or lead a small fundraising team. Our new planning tool is designed to help you plan the last 60 days of the year and how you can fundraise successfully during this time. It includes a full guide to make sure that you're planning effectively, but also a checklist to keep it simple and remind you of the things that are most important. You can download your free copy by visiting cosvox.com slash year end. Or if you're listening to this on iTunes, it's included in the show notes of the podcast description. I hope you'll check it out. And we'll be back next week with another guest serving in the trenches. We'll see you then.